All right. Thanks for joining, everyone. Let's get started. Seeing some unfamiliar faces in the audience today. It's good to see. <clears throat> I think uh, today we have a, a bunch of questions. Uh, usually they start flowing in after we get started, but this time we have a bunch right off the bat. It's cool. So yeah, let's get started. First question, Jay Sweats, when AMA? Right now, sir. <laughs> and you're missing it. Um, I think. Wait. Yeah, he is missing it. <laughs> yeah. Alright. Uh Fred asks, Hi team, do you have plans to go cross chain in the pipe in the pipeline, I guess? If yes, is there any chain that can already offer the infra you need to operate? For instance, would Aptos be a fit? PancakeSwap made a move to that chain and has gained a lot of TVL in the past weeks. <clears throat> All right, so yeah, this is a common question. Are we going to go cross-chain? Um, the answer is maybe. Um, yeah, so to just list out the things that we need to be able to deploy on another chain, one is that it needs a good oracle. Like we have Pith on Solana. Uh, Pith is also on a few other chains, but it's not on the other chains the same way that it's on Solana. On Solana, it publishes a price update in every slot. On other chains, it's an update. You have to make a pull request to get a price update. So if you want a price update, you ask Pith through wormhole to update the price and then they will publish. This may sound like a trivial difference, but it's not because this introduces latency, which means that the price updates are not going to be as fast or as recent. And this is important for us because um, time is of the essence. Um, if uh, the price updates are too slow, we can get front run or um, eat toxic arbitrage. So it is very, very bad. So that is very important. Um, so yeah, that's one thing. The other thing is the speed of the chain itself. Um, if the chain itself isn't fast enough, then, or like, yeah, the, the speed of the chain itself is the, is like the baseline limit to the speed that Oracle can update its price. So yeah, if the chain is slow, the Oracle updates necessarily must be slow too. Um, yeah, so the faster, the better. And yeah, that's very important. Uh, other than that, um, this is like not a necessary condition, but a consideration is what is the programming language of the chain? Um, our team may have to learn a new language depending on the language. And that of course takes time. So, you know, you have to calculate like, is it really worth it to um, learn a new language and then rewrite all our contracts from scratch. So that's one. And then another one, which is um, basically mandatory is how much trading volume is there on this chain? And relatedly, um, how much liquidity is there on other DEXs on this chain? 
these are both important. The volume is important because, you know, that'll basically, you know, give us an idea of how much volume there is for us to capture. And then the liquidity on other DEXs is important because that tells us how much arbitrage um, volume we'll be able to generate. Like if it's just us on a chain, that is not good because that means there's no arbitrage. Like there's just us, so there's nothing to arbitrage against, which means we'll only have um, like retail or like, yeah, like uh, retail volume basically. Um, and ideally you don't want to rely just on that. You want both the retail volume and arbitrage volume. So yeah, those are some considerations. So let's evaluate your example, which is Aptos. Aptos, as far as I know, it's supposed to be fast. Um, I haven't like looked closely at it. I mean, like, you know, back in the day when they first launched, there was something about, you know, four TPS. <laughs> but I think that was just like people not using the chain, not like that wasn't its max TPS. Um, yeah, so I assume like they are fast. I think that's how they've marketed themselves. So I uh, like assuming that's true, that's like probably okay. Um, do they have an Oracle? As far as I know right now, no. Maybe Pith is on it, but if it is, like it's in the, the form I described earlier where it's like not the same as Solana. And so it's definitely not ideal. We'd probably have to like um, create our own Oracle. Um, let's see, and then trading volume and like uh, TVL on other DEXs. So like, I haven't looked at the numbers. Uh, you say Pancake Pancake Swap has gotten a bunch of TVL, so you know that's good. Like, it's a dex for us to arb against. I I highly doubt there is a lot of organic volume on Aptos. Like, what is the reason for people to go over there to trade? Uh, like, maybe if you want to trade the Aptos token, then like you could do it there. If like you don't want to be on a centralized exchange, like that could make sense. But the volumes are probably like only significant for that one token. Like nobody wants to trade their ETH or their Soul or their Bitcoin or whatever on Aptos. <clears throat> I mean, that could eventually happen, right? But right now I'm pretty sure it's not the case. So yeah, and then its programming language is Move. Um, so yeah, that's a language that we would have to learn from scratch. Uh, thankfully, it's like a good language, like compared to something like Solidity, uh, which is like famous for being a <laughs> poorly designed language that just happened to gain traction because Ethereum did. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, so it would take a lot of dev resources to learn that language and then rewrite everything from scratch. So yeah, like right now, like Aptos, we actually did look into their um, grant. They had a grant program, but um, yeah, it, it was the terms were looking kind of onerous. <laughs> so it's unlikely that that will happen. Um, but yeah, like so th that's the way like we think about um, going cross chain, and um, yeah, it's definitely a possibility. Like to give an example, like a more realistic one that could happen is, uh, let's see, let me get this right. Say, I think it's say. 
Um, and then Nitro is on Say. And Nitro enables you... So, so yeah, so Say is like a fast chain um, that's like built for a DeFi. It's like a DeFi... Uh, wait, let me use... It's an app-specific chain for DeFi. <laughs> and uh, Nitro is building on Say, where you'll be able to deploy your Solana smart contracts without any code changes. Um, so in that example, um, the chain is <clears throat> will probably work well. It sounds like you know something comparable to Aptos or Solana. Um, the Oracle, I don't know. We might have to deploy our, something ourselves there. But it's a huge bonus that we don't have to rewrite everything from scratch, and we can just um, deploy our contracts as they are on Solana on, through Nitro on Say. <laughs> yeah, so like uh, that's a potential cross-train thing we might do. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's still a new chain. I, I don't think it's even launched. Um, and uh, so yeah, we'd, we'd still need to wait for like a reasonable amount of volume to start being uh, taking place on that chain before we would actually deploy there. <clears throat> yeah, okay, so I think you got the, the idea. We move on to the next question. We have Ledger Lover asks, are the STSOL and MSOL V2 pools almost ready to be added to the dashboard? Yeah, so we recently added um, V2, STSOL, and MSOL pools about 120k each and uh they're not on our pools page and their data is not included in our dashboard yet um they will be added when they're ready uh we're testing them right now which is why uh in general like you can't predict like how long testing is going to take like on, almost by definite by definition like you're testing because there are things you're uncertain about and through the through, through testing, you find out um, whether something is working or not working and if you need to fix anything. And so we don't know if issues are going to come up or not. Um, so, yeah, it's like really a, a fool's errand to try to predict like when it'll be ready. I mean, like, it'll be ready when it's ready. We're testing it. Well, it's like really nothing more to be said. Um, yeah, so it's coming. It's coming. All right, Snowball asks, any market making as a service or liquidity as a service being discussed with other projects? Um, right now, no. Uh, no good candidates that we can think of at the moment. And on top of that, because it's a bear market, like uh, projects are, they've like tightened their belts. They're much less willing to spend for liquidity. Um, I mean, you can, you can kind of see this also in like, um, all the yield farming on DEXs has like decreased a lot. The incentives that is, it's just like a lot less than back in the day. Um, so yeah, that like same, same dynamic applies to us as well. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then second question, are you considering a listing on a centralized exchange soon? Uh, not really. Um, talked about this before, but I don't really see the the benefit of left listing on a centralized exchange. Um, 
like one is to get like a wider token distribution i guess like if you want more holders i guess but it's like if you hold our token on a centralized exchange you're only getting like half the benefit which is the buybacks right and which is fine but it's kind of like you know you're you're missing out on the other half which is if you lock your tokens you get the protocol revenue um <clears throat> so like our token in particular is not like a great fit in our in that sense like say take like the orca token like it's literally just a token it does nothing right so it doesn't matter if you hold it on a like in your in your wallet on a ledger or if you hold it on a centralized exchange like you know there's nothing you can do with it it's just going to sit in your wallet anyways so like not a big deal but for us it's different so um yeah the only benefit i can see is and, and like i highly doubt you know like it's gonna like get a lot of new people buying it just because we list on a centralized exchange but usually like that's kind of the aim right it's like you list on a centralized exchange and you want your token price to pump which to be honest like that also i don't really care about because um like the market basically finds the right token price for our token and it has a self-regulating mechanism where if the price is quote too high however um you know one figures out that it's too high then it's a good time to sell so people will begin selling and if the token price is too low or yeah, as the token price goes down, the uh, yield on the tokens, your APR, will go up as the token price goes down. And the higher the yield on the token, you're more incentivized to buy. Um, so like those two dynamics um, that that like have opposite forces on people's like desire to buy. <clears throat> kind of self-regulates it so like i don't see what the point of pumping the prices you know it'll be temporary anyways and you know accomplishes nothing and by the way if you want to list on a central exchange that that usually means you have to lend your tokens to a market maker and then they get some kind of free option um for like you know if your token moons then they get to buy it at a cheap price essentially <laughs> something like that um, and then you also have to pay a listing fee to a centralized exchange. I don't know. Like, it just seems like a bad deal overall. I, I don't know what it's accomplishing. So, yeah, no, not really. I mean, like, if someone lists us, like, and doesn't even ask our permission, like, great. You know? Like, I have nothing against that. Just that, like, we don't want to really be paying for that because it's not, like, creating any value for anyone, really, I feel like. All right, next question. Ledger Lover asks, what is your long-term vision for the Flare DAO? Yeah, so my long-term vision for the Flare DAO is for my vision to not even matter. Um, I want the DAO to become a DAO. And, you know, like, it's it's actually making, it's been making good strides toward that. Um, I think people care less and less about what I think. <laughs> And there's like so many more people voicing their opinions, which is great. Um, yeah. 
that's like my main thing for the flared out is that I want it to be like self-directed. Um, and it, it has increasingly been, so that's been great to see. Um, and then like, you know, if you want to talk about like particulars, I'm happy to talk about any, anything specifically. Um, if there's like some kind of governance discussion, like I usually chime in. So like, I mean, I think you know how I feel about specific topics like providing liquidity on NFT AMMs or burning flares or whatever, you know? Yeah, so I hope that answers your question. <laughs> All right, Auto Catalytic asks, are commissions from the Lefinity validator associated with Marinade gauges going to Lefinity treasury or protocol-owned liquidity? How's the relationship with Marinade and their community? Yeah, so the any any um sole yield generated from staking that is a result of the uh, the MNDE that we have voting on the gauges that all belongs to um like the treasury like ve lafinity holders and uh, right now we haven't done anything with it it's just sitting there um there was a discussion a governance discussion channel about this so uh yeah i i, I just checked it today or yesterday and the last comment was november 6th so i think soon after that ftx happened and then people lost interest <laughs> people got distracted so yeah um so people can suggest what to do with it um there's already ideas in that channel which you can go read about um yeah and then how is the relationship with marinade and their community um let's see i've talked with some team members sometimes and uh the general impression i get is that the team likes us. Um, there are a bunch of people in the Marinade community, probably like especially other protocols that still feel salty towards Lefinity because of the whole um, gauges thing. Yeah, so our relationship, I think, is good. Like, they definitely want to continue working with us. And we want to continue working with them. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, Marinade is, like, it's one of the protocols that's, like, I think, trying really hard to be community-governed. Like, they're really serious about that. Like, they really, really want to be, like, hands-off. Uh, and and you, you kind of saw that in, like, the whole all the discussions that took place like they rarely voiced their opinions they rarely moderated anything um they just like let it happen and it kind of sounds like they they regret some of that like um i mean i'm not i can't speak for them i don't know what they wish they had done exactly but I think they are unhappy about things turned out 
<clears throat> so yeah, that's kind of my impression. Take it as you will. <laughs> All right, and a follow-up question. Also, how much of the validator stake on the Marinade Gauge Fed Lefinity validator is owned by Lefinity? Um, I actually don't know. I think most, but I'm not sure. I mean, you can uh, you can find out. So I think uh, Marinade. I think they publish like infographics that show like how much soul is going to the top ten validators or validators to which um, they direct stake based on um, MNDE gauge voting. So that will tell you how much soul is going to Lefinity. And then if you go to some other site, um, like Solana Beach, maybe was it? Where you can like check how much total soul is staked to Lefinity. And so then you have the total and then you see how much is coming from Marinade and then you can compare those two and then you'll know. But yeah, I haven't looked into it. <clears throat> All right, uh, time for a sip. Uh, water. All right. Next question. Lord Prince asks, Hey, Durden, how did the grass feel? All rested? Yeah, so I tweeted, touch, what was it? Touched grass. Now back to touching keyboard or something. And uh, the grass was grassy. Unfortunately, it's cold outside, so... You know, it's like, uh, <laughs> it wasn't like the most amazing experience ever. <laughs> um, yeah, but, um, grass is good. How is project D's going? What is D's? <laughs> It's a uh, it's it's quite disappointing how few people fall for that here. <laughs> this never works. Need to come up with something new. Be original, I guess. Already possible to shed some light on what's cooking or still classified. Still classified, sir. Still classified. Um I guess I can say it's one it's one way to use more of our liquidity. Which would be great, right? <laughs> What's the team's current stance on the royalties enforcement? Yeah, so the royalties enforcement is a shit show. That much I know. <laughs> um basically I think there's two parts. Like one is like the enforcing royalties, which, you know, I've never seen a good mechanism to do that, to be honest. All of them like usually mean like you limit the platforms on which you can uh, use your NFTs, for example, which, you know, like once you get rid of that permissionlessness, it's not pretty, I think. And the other option is just like any transfer, you enforce a royalty, 
which is also stupid because you can't, you know, like send an NFT to your friend or like transfer it between your own wallets. Like all the enforcement methods I've seen are just very unsatisfactory. So there's that. Um, on the other hand, like if in theory we could enforce royalties without like any any side effects, like that'd be nice, right? I mean, we'd have we'd have more revenue. So like theoretically, yeah, sure, it would be nice. So then the third thing is like, okay, what if we in like adopted one of these um, these royalty enforcement methods? I think uh, another thing to consider is how will the public view you for that? And right now, because it's not consensus at all, um, it appears that like a lot of people will look down on you for that. Um, so yeah, it's kind of like, Okay, you can enforce royalties, you can increase your revenue somewhat, but at the cost of like like losing some of your social capital, maybe. Um, and uh, I think because trading volume is gradually shifting to NFT AMMs from NFT marketplaces, Royalties are becoming less and less relevant because NFT AMMs don't use royalties, right? They, or like, for example, at least on Tensor, like they just charge a flat 1% fee. Um, so yeah, I feel like royalties become less meaningful in that sense too. Yeah, those are my overall thoughts. Hope that answers your question. All right, Lon Fust asks, Hi team, is it possible to integrate the Tensor API for the buyback bot? Yeah, also a common question. Um, oh, oh wait, never mind. Yeah, so Tensor API. So previously we were using the Hyperspace API, which, um, so as I understand, like the ten Tensor API and the Hyperspace API use the Magic Eden API. And it's the Magic Eden API that like blocks us for whatever reason. So it doesn't matter. Like um, if a API uses the Magic Eden API downstream, then, you know, using like using just a new API isn't going to solve the problem, which is the Magic Eden API. So no, I don't think that will solve our problems. So for the foreseeable future, we will be doing these manual buybacks in batches. <clears throat> um, all right, Ipromino asks, do we have an update on Operation Flart? Any one-of-one communities responding to our collab request? Yeah, so I reached out to exchange.art form function. Um, let's see, what was that called? Uh, Holoplex. And also this, this uh, entity called 21DAO. 
So exchange.art and form function are uh, one of one art marketplaces. And Holoplex kind of is also, but it's like a spin up your own um, front end thing. Um, I'm not really sure if they're like really doing doing stuff anymore, but <laughs> yeah, anyways, and then 21 DAO, like when I posted on one of the other one of one art marketplace discords, one guy reached out to me. He was like, hey, you should also uh, reach out to 21 DAO, which is a uh, what was it? It was something like I forgot the details, but it was like a like a DAO for artists on Solana, something like that. <clears throat> so I reached out to them too. Um, so I reached out to all these guys. Um, only one of them got back to me. Uh, actually, yeah, Operation Flart did not go great because like not many people <laughs> actually did what I what I was asking them to do. Uh, some did, so thank you to those who did. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, so exchange.art finally got back to me after like a month. And we got on a call. And uh, I explained like what we're trying to do. And uh, after like the basic explanation, he was like, well, you know, I just don't think many artists are going to um, be interested. Like, because they're taking on this risk of creating art, but they might not win anything. And in that case, their art will have been for nothing. So then, like, I tried, like, um, upping the stakes. I was like, okay, how about this? Like, first place gets 1K. Second place gets 500 bucks. And uh, third to 10th place get $100 or something like that. And he was like, eh, I don't know. I was like, okay, so what if also they get half of the auction proceeds um, from selling their one-of-one one art. And also, they get half the royalties on those. And still, he's like, hey, you know, I don't know. Like, I, I think it's not going to work. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, no, I, like, I tried, like, really juicing the pot, like, but he, he, he just seemed, like, super convinced that, like, nothing will work. <laughs> Which, I mean... I don't know, like, I mean, I guess he's more informed than I am, right? Like, he's in that art marketplace. He should have better insight into the psychology of artists. <clears throat> that was not the impression I had. Like, I thought this had a chance of working and, like, getting good art. Like, he was worried that, like, it would just be a bunch of, like, um, Dali or Stable Diffusion um like AI generated garbage, which I mean, I mean, that's probably a fair point. Like there probably will be a lot of that trash, <laughs> but you'd expect that like the, uh, cause like there's not like a ton of stuff to train on, right? Like the flares, um, I don't know. I feel like it wouldn't be super easy to well i guess they could use our stickers and stuff too <laughs> um but anyways yeah so that was kind of the conversation we had um so yeah like uh, <laughs> i just didn't know what to do i feel like i got shut down
Um, so, yeah, I, I I don't know what else to do. Like, I, I, I really tried, like, reaching out to, like, everyone who would be able to reach out to artists on our behalf. And uh, they didn't get back to me or think it's impossible or whatever. So, like, to be honest, I'm not going to be doing anything more along the line of this idea. Like, I don't think I'm going to be pursuing it. I, I don't even know how I could. <laughs> uh, unless, like, someone has a brilliant idea. So, yeah. That's unfortunate. Because, like, the idea itself is really cool. Yeah. Oh, well. Okay. K57 asks, Lefinity is number 392 on DeFi Llama. Is there a way to reach the top 100? Uh, what is this, in terms of volume? I mean, <clears throat> I don't know. It seems like an arbitrary goal. I mean, like, do people really go to, like, DeFi Llama and be like, all right, let me look at the the, the top 100 list and then buy their tokens. <laughs> like, I don't think people do that. Um, maybe I'm wrong, I don't know. Um, yeah, there, there's, there's no way to like increase your volume or like risklessly <laughs> increase your volume without like risking your revenue. So, like, if we wanted to increase our volume, it's trivially easy, you know? Like, we just lower our fees. And we concentrate our liquidity more. But obviously, both of those um, reduce our profitability and also uh, magnify the risk of impermanent loss. So, it's like, what's the point? It's like, what's our goal? Our ultimate goal is to be profitable, not to get on a top 100 list. So that's what we're optimizing for. It's not for volume, it's for profit. All right, uh, Promino asks, on December 13th, the Seoul USDC V2 pool has had 60K of liquidity, and the Seoul USDT V2 pool had 100K of liquidity. Now the Seoul USDC V2 pool has 108K of liquidity, and the Seoul USDT pool has 127K of liquidity. So basically, uh, the Seoul USDC pool increased more than 1.5x. Seoul USDT pool increased only like 1.25x. Is this because the liquidity is increased gradually by the team as part of the pre-announced plan, or is it because of the Seoul price appreciation? Um, so the the Seoul price appreciation component will be the same for both pools, right? Because, like, they're half Seoul, half USDT. Or, yeah, yeah, essentially, essentially. It's, like, basically half. So, um, yeah. So it's just the team adjusting liquidity. Um, because, you know, we were still testing. And, like, even after testing, you know, we're still, like, adjusting liquidity when we think that's appropriate. So, yeah, like, small small adjustments here and there optimizing yeah uh wtb says fyi tensor will be adding support for mip1 forced royalties 
Let's see. Okay, so Tensor will be supporting this too. So it will be possible on NFT AMMs as well. Um, full royalties for royalty enforced collections, 0% royalties for standard collections, which is ours currently, and then a 1% platform fee. Okay. So it's just adding the royalty on top, essentially. Fees plus royalties will always be paid by the taker. That means if you're listing, you pay 0%. If you're placing a collection-wide bid, you pay 0%. Ah, right, right, because it's the taker. Not the buyer, but the taker. If you're market-making, you pay 0%. If you're buying, selling, you pay the fees slash royalties. Yep, makes sense. Thanks for that. All right, Apromino says, what will be the daily volume threshold for BSOL or JITOSOL pools to open? Unlike other non-SOL pools, I believe these liquid staking SOL variants should be safe enough to open in terms of price risks. Right. Uh, yeah, I don't know the exact daily volume threshold but I would guess that it's much, much higher than whatever volume they have. Because, like, to be honest, like, who is trading Soul and Soul? <laughs> I literally do not understand why these projects have, like, liquid staking tokens. Because, like, there's nothing you can do with them. Like, the only reason, like, MSOL and... ST soul work is because there's a lot of things you can do with them or, or uh, I mean and like to boil it down that basically means it's because they have token incentives on top of the staking yield like you can take your M soul and you can um, like LP for example and get MNDE or you can just stake it on Marinade and get MNDE um, you can lend it get MNDE um and like same for ST Soul and Lido token, right? Which is not true for B Soul or Gito Soul. Like the fact that they're they have these liquid liquid versions of their token is like nigh useless. Like the only conceivable use case I can see is like for getting immediate unstake liquidity. But even that, like now there's that um unstake.it project, which I think is run by Socian, where like you can unstake, you can insta unstake your stake accounts. It doesn't matter if it has a token or not. You just need a stake account and then you can get it instantly unstaked by paying a fee. So like, you know, that that means now that that exists, there's no point to these BSOL tokens, these GDOSO tokens. Um, and that's that's why they have such low volume. It's like people are not going in and out of them. Like normally if there's a lot of like yield mining incentives across the ecosystem, people are moving in and out of positions when they think, okay, right now this is the best yield. So they go into it. And then later their mind changes, they go out of it. That's why there's this trading volume. People are changing their opinions on like where the highest yield is. But like, 
I don't think people are doing that with staking yield. Like they just like look across the staking options. They're like, oh, Jitto, they got MEV yield, sexy. And they, they stake there and then they they leave it, you know? <laughs> You're not like um like observing the yields on uh other staking pools and like you know making micro decisions about where to move their stake like maybe they do that you know like every few months or something but definitely not frequently most people anyways so yeah oh oh you, you have the volume for us thank you <laughs> yeah so okay msol sd soul approximately 4 million then bsol is like a little under 1 million, which is quite high, I'm surprised. And then Jito Soul is like 74k, which is like nothing. Um, is B Soul, does it have like some incentive something something going on? <laughs> like, uh, I'm, I'm skeptical of this volume. <laughs> uh, it is 24 hour volume, so like, uh, hard to know if it's representative. Um, yeah. I'm less familiar with Beesol. I've seen it around. I haven't really checked it out. Is it just like similar to Jitosol? Like a, like a validator essentially. And then they issue their own liquid staking token. Like Lanesol does this too. And I don't get it. You know, it's like, what's the point? <laughs> we don't need more of these liquid staking tokens uh let's see because both b soul and jito soul were just released saber doesn't have any b soul soul and jito soul soul pools the closest competitor in terms of swap fees would be orca whirlpool at 0.01 percent yeah so like if we were to create those pools i actually thought you were talking about usdc pools so you're talking about the stable pools. The thing about that is like, um, I mean, we could do it. It's just, but it, like more than anything, it's just a levered bet on soul because the fees are going to be so small, so small, uh, barely anything, you know, probably like less than 1% APY. That means after one year, we've, we've made less than 1% return on on the assets <laughs> um and uh yeah we just have like and we'll have like a ton of soul exposure right because we're converting usdc to soul and b soul or whatever so yeah probably not something we will do and then uh yes is it worth to open a b soul jito soul pool Beesol volume is especially interesting since its volume is 2x the entire TVL. Okay, yeah, that, I mean, that makes me think even more. I'm suspicious of the volume. Um, yeah, so a Beesol Jitosol pool, I think that would have even less volume. Because, like, it's still conceivable. Like, why would a person trade from Sol to Beesol or Beesol to Sol? They'd trade from B soul to soul if they want instant unstake liquidity. Makes sense. Or from soul to B soul because you get a better rate than if you directly staked your soul for B soul. 
you get it at a discount. Makes sense. But who the hell is going to tra trade Beasle for Jidosul, you know? <laughs> like, that was the kind of thing I was explaining earlier. Like, no one is making these, like, these micro decisions of, like, ooh, the, the staking APY changed by 0.1%. I'm going to I'm gonna move my Beasle to Jidosul. Like, because even though the trading fees are low, like, um, when you compare it to the staking yield, which is, you know, also low, like single digit APY. So like even just trading is like probably like, you know, it could be like a week's worth of the, the fee from trading could be like a week's worth of yield. <laughs> so yeah, I don't think like people people just aren't gonna be trading this kind of pool. Um if there if there was a ton of B soul soul volume and a ton of Jito soul soul volume then it could make sense because there'd be like a lot of arbitrage volume. So like an example of this is like a sole ETH pool, um, which we're considering, you know, that can make sense. Most people aren't gonna trade their soul for ETH. Most people aren't gonna trade their ETH for soul directly. Um, but because both soul USDC and ETH USDC have a lot of volume, there can be a lot of arbitrage volume. And so, it can potentially make sense. But yeah, in this case, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, let's see, here's the latest fees that Crema charges for BSOL soul swap. 10,000%? What? I don't understand. How can you have greater than 100% fees? What does that even mean? <laughs> I'm confused. Oh well. I'm just gonna just gonna skip that. I have no idea what that means. Uh let's see. White Turtle Bill is telling me that TVL TVL measurement. Oh, okay. Yeah. We care even less about TVL than volume. <laughs> This is regarding the uh, DeFi Llama thing. Yeah, so we don't care about TVL either. It's a vanity metric for sure. Thankfully, I think the crypto world is realizing that more and more. Moving on to more meaningful metrics. All right, Ledger Lover is just waking up. Probably missed your answers to my questions. Yes, sir. But... We are recording, so you can listen later. Curious, have you had any thoughts on how a future voting system might work for the Flare DAO? I mean, sir, have you been reading <laughs> the governance forums? I do have thoughts. Um, I would I would have assumed that you've been reading those. Actually, you just recently bought a Flare, didn't you? Welcome, welcome to the Flare DAO. <laughs> your name turned purple um so yeah maybe that's why you haven't read it but uh yeah so I, I have i have shared some of my thoughts there um still forming for sure uh are there any resources that you might suggest users read into so they might get more knowledge on the subject generally um i know vitalik of ethereum fame has written some good articles on this. 
like how um yeah i can't remember the title but like like one major topic that influenced me was how like pure token voting is not great and he gives a bunch of reasons why and i think he probably also gives like a few methods that are an improvement on that um so like quadratic voting combined with some identity mechanism so yeah i um i would recommend that article it's probably the main one maybe there's others i can't think of any at the moment yeah another question down the dao avenue do you think that it's necessary or even helpful for the dao to create a mission statement a board of directors and some of the other bureaucracy that you might find in a web two or a traditional company. Um, generally speaking, I do not find that necessary. Uh, mission statement. Like, uh, I don't see why necessarily. So like, I don't see why necessarily all token holders, all flare holders would have the same mission or goals. I mean, you know, I think this can make sense if like your mission is like something like, for example, altruistic, like you're trying to solve world hunger or you're trying to save, um, save lives from malaria by distributing bed nets or something you know like <clears throat> like if that's if that's what like your your organization does obviously like it, it makes sense for everyone to be aligned um but these are nfts like people hold them for various reasons some people hold them for speculative reasons some people hold them for like identity reasons um some people hold them for the fun, for the culture. Like the the motivations are varied. And so if you like stipulate, okay, if you hold a flare, this is your mission and you must comply. Like, I think that just limits the people that can come in, can join. Um, yeah. If there was a mission statement, I mean, I can see how, you know, like everything you do, you could refer back to that mission statement. You're like, oh, so you you say you want to do this, but is that really serving our mission, which is blah, blah, blah. Um, that could be useful. But yeah, again, like, <laughs> I think it's going to be impossible. It's going it's, it's impossible to define a mission without alien ali without alienating a bunch of people so i don't really think it's worth it um a board of directors i mean it sounded like some people wanted that like like a few people with executive power or something i guess um so like one problem with this is that you'll probably need to pay them um, because like 
supposedly they're going to be doing a bunch of work. Um, which, I mean, like, in theory, that's fine. We have revenue. They can be paid. But also, like, so far, we've done a bunch of stuff without any board of directors. Um, so it's like, do we really need that? Is that going to improve things a lot? Like, to be honest, like, we move pretty quick already. Like, my impression is, like, you want a board of directors when, like, there's just, like, a ton of people with everyone has dissenting opinions, there's no consensus, get, can't get any shit done. That's when you want a board of directors and, like, you know, they make shit happen and people just trust them. Uh, and that's why they get paid. But it's like, we're not in that scenario. I mean, there definitely are topics where there's not an obvious consensus and there's there's um, meaningful disagreement. But, I mean, that's natural, right? Like, there is no group of people where, like, you know, they literally agree on everything. Like, of course there's disagreement. And uh, I think we are getting shit done. Like, we've done plenty. So... Yeah, not sure that would accomplish much. And, uh, okay, some and some of the other bureaucracy that you might find in a Web2 or traditional company. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I've basically explained everything. Yeah, so to me, I don't really see that's necessary or helpful. But yeah, that's just me. And I'm just one um, Flair DAO member, so. Uh, if the people want to create either of those, they can propose it. All right. Trabs9 asks, what are you most looking forward to in 2023? Wow, such a forward-looking question. To be honest, I don't even like think about it in those terms. I haven't thought about like the future of 2023 i'm mostly like taking things as they come i can't like i can't think of a, a thing you know like this thing is going to happen later this year can't wait <laughs> i can't can't think of anything like that um like can i say i'm looking forward to the the bull market of 2023 <laughs> i mean i don't even know that's that's going to happen so um yeah. I, uh, my, uh, what's the word? My temperament is, is to like, or I make an effort to try to be in the now more than dwelling in the future or the past. Um, yeah, sorry. Probably a disappointing answer, but an honest one, nevertheless. <laughs> uh, Porco says, wasn't it the Path Independence article from Vitalik? Maybe so. Um, yeah, I honestly just don't remember the title. But yeah, for whoever was interested in that, they can Google that, I guess. Uh, and if not, I think like... If you like go down the list of all his articles, I think, you know, it shouldn't be like too hard to find it. 
based on the title. Because his titles tend to be pretty straightforward, if I remember. Yeah. <laughs> Shadows, Shadow says, it makes sense to have some kind of end state in mind, though. End state. Hmm. I mean, like, <laughs> we've talked about the hypothetical end state where there's <laughs> one flare holder remaining. And he keeps all the revenue. <laughs> I don't think that's realistic. Um, I think, uh, you know, we'll continue to adjust things according to, like, how the crypto ecosystem develops. And envisioning any kind of end state now, when we're still so ignorant of like all the future developments that are going to happen in crypto is going to be very premature. Um, oh yeah, that sounds right, Ipromino. Moving beyond coin voting governance. Thanks for the link. That sounds pretty correct. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, I think instead of talking about end states, which is like very presumptuous, like this is how things should turn out. This is the ultimate end state. Instead, I think we should just be talking about goals. Like, hey, wouldn't it be great if we accomplished this or we went in this direction, you know? And then just keep doing that ad infinitum. And uh, yeah, then you're, you're not... You're not, you'll never get like stuck in a, oh, but like we, we said the end state would be this three years ago <laughs> or something, you know, that can uh, get you stuck, I think. Uh, Promino says, other than the upcoming migration of UXD pools to V2, do we have plans for other pools to migrate as well? Yeah, I mean, basically, we want to migrate all pools, migrate slash possibly add the new pool while keeping the V1. Uh, we kind of talked about this in an announcement before where, I mean, like the V1 pools have larger liquidity, so they're able to ser service larger trades, so we might keep them, um, and it may be dependent on the pool. But yeah, eventually, we want to open V2 pools for everything. Is there any specific condition that needs to be fulfilled prior to prior to the migration? For example, ETH USDC pool, it should be easier to decide since it's fully protocol-owned liquidity and flare-owned liquidity, right? Um, let's see, compared to like a Ray USDC pool. Um, does that make it easier? I think that doesn't really affect, yeah, like whether it's our liquidity or external liquidity doesn't really matter. Yeah, it's more just about like testing the pool, making sure it's working as intended. And uh, yeah, I mean, like that's the main thing. Like uh, each pool needs testing. Yeah. 
uh, the soul pie pool, do we need to coordinate with the pie team, the parrot team? Yeah, we do. Um, but only to have them like transfer their liquidity from the V1 to the V2 pool. So I mean like n nothing difficult. Uh, Ray USDC, Serum USDC, and GMT USDC pools. Do we need to implement a lending vault first prior to migrating them to V2? Right. My, oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I see what you're saying. Because for this pool, to be able to test a V2 pool, it would need liquidity, but we don't want Ray exposure. So how do we, how do we test that <laughs> is the question, I guess. Yeah, so maybe so. Uh, yeah, we haven't gotten there yet. So honestly, I haven't thought about it. But yeah, either we take on some temporary price exposure, which would probably be small anyways. Like we've seen V2's capital efficiency. So like probably wouldn't be a huge deal. Um, or yeah, we could just wait to borrow the assets and test the market making with those borrowed assets. <clears throat> um, yeah, so actually I haven't decided on that yet, but yeah, yeah, good, uh, good point though. Uh, Ledger Lover, this random question, can you recommend any books that might help me become more like yourself? You have a very calm and collected demeanor about you. I like more of that in my life. Um, sure. I'm honestly like not 100% confident that this book will do that. Um, I know it did it somewhat for me and you know, probably some of it is just like, you know, whatever temperament I was born with, but, um, one book that it's really benefited my life. And I've, I've mentioned this before. It's my favorite book of all time, actually, is The Way of Zen by Alan Watts. Um, I read this when I was like at a very like vulnerable time in my life, which is why it had an outsized effect on me, I feel like. And I've recommended it to people ever since. I've bought the book for a bunch of people too. <clears throat> um, yeah, um, <laughs> I don't know if I can, it's a hard to talk about the book without like really getting into it. Like, <laughs> It would, it would open up a whole can of worms is kind of my feeling. But I, I highly recommend that book. And relatedly, um, after I read that book, which introduced me to meditation, and meditation has also been very beneficial for me. And um, if you find the book to be not to your liking, I would recommend um, trying out meditation. And when I say meditation, I basically mean, um, like there's various forms, of course, but I just mean like the very basic form, what's often called mindfulness meditation. So this is where 
you like this too there's like different methods but like the most ba basic form which is still like really great i think is um you you point your attention to your breath like you sit you sit in a comfortable position um and then you you focus on your breath and then as time passes naturally your mind will begin to wander um various thoughts will begin popping up which is fine because that's how the mind works but uh right now you want to focus on your breath so when whenever you realize that your mind has wandered you you gently acknowledge that and simply bring your attention back to your breath and you just repeat this over and over um and the my favorite thing about this is it really gives you insight into how your mind works and when you better understand how your mind works it can really change a lot of things for you um like for example suppose um you are angry now there's a lot of times where anger is not really serving any purpose for you so for example like road rage is a good example where like you know someone does something that pisses you off and but you you, you haven't even seen their face right and like you're never going to meet them ever so like evolutionarily speaking the reason you feel angry is because um that anger served a purpose in a more primitive setting where if you just let people run over you and you don't retaliate ever then like yeah i mean that that's just bad for propagating your genes basically right like you want to be the alpha male <laughs> or closer to that um and that's why um like having some fighting spirit was useful in an evolutionary sense but in this modern environment often these these emotions backfire or are just like not serving any useful purpose and road rage is a perfect example you're feeling very angry but the person in the other car doesn't even know that um they can't hear you shouting <laughs> they don't see your face it's not doing anything but this anger is definitely causing damage to you psychologically like like first of all it's simply an unpleasant experience right like it's not fun to feel angry um and you know it, it has like biochemical effects on you anger that is um that are like generally not good um and so yeah so all that to say <laughs> back to um meditation and like becoming more familiar with how your mind works when you do this meditation thing and you focus on your breath and every time your mind wanders away you bring it back this cultivates a level of 
focus and attentiveness. And so in a setting where you're feeling road rage, for me, my experience has been that it allows me to more quickly realize like when I'm feeling um, that kind of emotion that's actually in the moment useless and not serving a purpose, but is in fact very unpleasant. And once I, I notice that and I realize that, it's, it becomes much easier to snap out of it. Um, our default state is to be thinking without being aware that we're thinking. We're basically lost in thought. But meditation cultivates this ability to <clears throat> um, become aware that we're thinking. And that grants you greater control over your mental life. Um, and that's been very helpful for me, for sure. Um, yeah, so The Way of Zen by Alan Watts. Um, meditation is a huge part of Zen, and it's talked a lot about a lot in the book. It's certainly not merely about meditation. But yeah, I was introduced to it through this book, and... Yeah, so meditation has been very helpful, and also like many of the concepts that come up in Zen has have been very helpful for me. So yeah, maybe they will be helpful for you too. <laughs> we'll see. Oh, actually, speaking of that, remember, or some of you are probably familiar with the the parable of the farmer <laughs> that I've uh, mentioned a few times in. Uh, in the chat. That is uh, from the book. Uh, not that the author wrote that parable, but it's where I first came across this parable. Um, yeah, Zen has many great parables and stories and uh, ideas, ways of thinking. It's a very different worldview. <clears throat> Anyways, wow, I just <laughs> went on forever about that. Okay, bringing it back. Hope that's helpful, though. <laughs> Let me know if you uh, do read it and uh, how it turned out for you. Oh, also, one more thing. <clears throat> if you're looking for... Um, so meditation, sometimes it can be easier some for some people, especially... Um, to start off with guided meditations where there's a voice speaking like say every 20 seconds or so and like giving you instructions often you know just like a a audible reminder to bring your focus back to the breath um, but other things too if you find if you think you might find that kind of thing more helpful to like get started on your meditation journey if i can call it that um i would recommend uh there's actually a bunch of meditation apps and i think a lot of them are quite good uh there's there's one by sam harris called waking up which is uh pretty good it's more i'd say it's more on the uh intellectual side so if you want something more casual then i don't recommend it but if uh, that's your taste, then yeah, you can do that. And uh, if you just send them an email, you can get their app 
for free. Um, or you can pay for it. Um, basically, they, they, they don't want money to be a hindrance to anyone wanting to um, learn meditation. So anyways, yeah, there's that option. And there's a bunch of other good apps too, as well, like I mentioned. Um, yeah. All right, I'm done. <laughs> All right, moving on. Okay, Midwit asks, when optimizing for revenue, how are you weighing up fee revenue versus market-making revenue? A lot of the pools have positive APR from revenue, but negative profit from market-making. Yeah, so right now we're basically just using the fee revenue. <clears throat> and uh, the if we generate like a significant amount of market-making profit, then we will withdraw that as profit and use it the same way we use the fee revenue. But right now, like it's basically like um, flip-flopping between positive and negative um, for, for many pools anyways. <clears throat> it's like not clearly positive you know, the way fees are clearly positive. Although, I mean, obviously like fees can't go negative, but yeah. So right now it's, um, it's basically just like staying in the pool. We're not doing anything about it essentially. Um, we did do, we did withdraw it once before the VE IDO for the Flare owned liquidity and did a surprise buyback with it. <clears throat> um, yeah, because at that time, it was, like, w much more positive. Um, and then after that, soul price tanked hard, <laughs> which is part of it. Um, it was, like, mostly down only. But, I mean, I, I think uh, even the soul USDC pool is now back to positive, which is um, pretty cool to see. It's, like... It means we we have no impermanent loss despite like price tanking from a very high place. Um, but yeah, it's not significant. So yeah, hope that answers the, the question. Or wait, actually, no, I guess I didn't answer your question. Your question was when optimizing for revenue. So like, how do we think about these when we optimize revenue? I guess is more the question, sorry. Okay, so, <clears throat> yeah, I think I've talked about this elsewhere, but uh, sometimes it's a trade-off. So, like, our V2 pools are kind of instructive. So, um, on the V2 pools, the market-making profit for Seoul USDC is, like, very negative. It's, like, negative 150% or something. There's a lot. <laughs> But then the fees are like 515%, so like easily makes up for it. And that was a intentional decision. Um, we could make it so that we reduce or we improve the market-making profit, make it less negative or probably even positive if we wanted to. But that would also have the consequence of significantly reducing our fee revenue. And so ultimately, we don't care how much of our PNL comes from fees versus market making profit. 
Like the only thing we care about is maximizing their sum. So whatever combination of settings maximizes the sum of fees and market making profit, that's what we're going to use. Uh, and that's why V2 pools have very negative market making profit. Um, it's because um, from we from what we can tell so far, it is the optimal settings. This maximizes net APR. So yeah, that's basically how we think about it. <clears throat> uh, let's see, Shadow. Sorry, this was regarding a mission statement. Ah, uh, I see. Okay. Yes, having a six month to one year goal is more what I was thinking. Just having specific goals in mind before we make any big changes would help focus. Yeah. Yeah, I guess like, well, I don't know. I guess, so some people, like the divide I see is some people want to maximize revenue for FlareDAO. Some people want to maximize or minimize the circulating supply of flares. And these two can sometimes be in conflict with each other, which we've been seeing play out somewhat. <laughs> so yeah, even then it's like uh, specifying the goals is also not easy. <clears throat> Uh, Promino says, I thought that the secret project was about the lending vault for Ray Serum GMT. So what is the secret project then? <laughs> well, sir, it is classified. <laughs> um, yeah, because someone sent the title of the book I just mentioned, Ledger Lover, Way of Zen by Alan Watts. Yeah. Yeah, they recently published this... Uh, this uh this version with a new cover this this green one which i'm like not a not a huge fan of <laughs> um yeah there's an older version which has a a white a black and white cover with like a uh a zen garden a rock garden so like, there's like many small rocks and they're like raked in a certain way. And then there's like large rocks standing within them with moss on them and stuff. Anyways, it's a, it's a cooler one. <laughs> I just, I don't know, can't dig this, this new, new uh, cover. Anyways, no one cares about that. Uh, let's see. Okay. <laughs> Durden's such a great speaker. <laughs> How kind of you. I promise posting the story of the Chinese farmer. Nice. Nice. Oh, plus plus a comment at the end by Alan Watts. Nice. He says, the whole process of nature is an integrated process of immense complexity. And it's really impossible to tell whether anything that happens in it is good or bad because you never know what will be the consequence of the misfortune or you never know what will be the consequence of good fortune it's true so wise <laughs> ledger lover says thanks for your time today Durden. especially appreciate the depth you go into while answering have a good weekend everyone you too oh i forgot to say god damn it i was gonna i was gonna start this one by saying happy new year 
because this is the first time you've heard my voice this year, I think. So Happy New Year, everyone. <laughs> uh, wow, botched it. Avix says, when will Lefinity deprecate V1 pools? So we actually haven't decided that we are going to deprecate them yet. It's not, we're not sure. Uh, I, I forgot if we explained this in an announcement. I feel like we did. But uh, TLDR, <clears throat> V1 pools can service larger trades than V2 because they have more liquidity. And so there is a possibility that they are worth keeping. Um, but we're not sure about that yet. So still thinking about that. And therefore, there is no timeline for when we will deprecate V1 pools. Uh, Honey Badger, hey, and you're leaving? I'm confused, but hey. <laughs> Porco, good night. Promino, how will we celebrate the 1 million Lefinity bought back? I guess, I guess we could celebrate that. Is it, uh, is it, uh, I guess it's announcement worthy, huh? Yeah, we should make an announcement, huh? Yeah, cool. Yeah, let me do that later after this. Um, yeah, I should have done it earlier, but still not too late. Yeah, good call, good call. Man, so many, so many, uh, such a diverse set of people today, I feel like. Uh, let's, wait, hold on. Did my spaces die without me noticing? What happened? What? Wow, spaces just died, huh? You know, speaking of spaces, um, I was thinking about maybe stopping doing the spaces simultaneously. I'm not sure if, like, it's doing much or, like, do people listen on the spaces? I can't tell. They never um, ask questions from there. I'm not sure if it like expands reach or not. Um, Avix asks, do you have products on other blockchains? Uh, no, we are solely on Solana. Promino never listens to the AMA on Twitter spaces, just Discord and podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird though. Like, I turned on my phone. I mean, like, turned on the screen, and then uh, Twitter had been closed. I don't know what happened. Oh well. That's the other thing, like spaces is such shit. <laughs> Always buggy and so frustrating.
taking a look at our audience right now. Waps. I don't know if I've ever seen you. And Matishi? Not sure if I've seen you either. Midwit, see sometimes. Avex 2 recently. The Riptide sounds vaguely familiar. And then Just Me, Shadow, Honey Badger, Apromino, WTB, The Regulars. <laughs> well, um, I guess, uh, I guess the questions are quenched. Some people are typing. So unless it's another question, I'm going to shut the shit down on these clowns. Can I get a witness? Hell yeah. All right, WTB asks, you've spoken recently about market making as a service and liquidity as a service likely becoming a replacement for the bribing mechanism that was laid out in the initial tokenomics. Do you expect that to be a larger revenue source when the bull market returns? Yeah, probably. Probably. Um, I guess um, another thing that may change the dynamic may change the dynamic i'm not sure is the fact that with the v2 pools we can we can borrow assets to market make for them right so let's see actually maybe that's not relevant um, do I expect it to be a larger revenue source from the bull market returns? I mean, basically, yes, because people will be, or protocols will be more willing to spend on liquidity. Um, yeah, I mean, everyone's just spending more in bull markets, basically. That's the gist of it. So, yeah, I do expect that. Probably... I mean, like like the examples we've already seen, I think the juiciest ones will probably be the ones that are paired with Soul. So like stable coins paired with Soul. Um, doubtful, but like other staking derivatives paired with Soul. Maybe... Uh, some I don't know if like uh people will want to pair their tokens with soul like like I'm thinking like you know like orca soul or like beta soul I'm not sure if people would want to do that yeah yeah we'll see um is that partially going to rely on Solana on-chain usage increasing as well Yes, 
Yeah, basically, like when volume increases Solana wide, um, then like people want their token to be inc included in that volume increase. They want their token to be traded more. They want good liquidity for their token, else people will complain. <laughs> and uh, yeah, well, I guess uh, one thing is people are less willing to give liquidity mining incentives compared to before. Because like projects are becoming increasingly aware that like it's not a sustainable way to do things. So like we provide one sustainable method, which is the market making of the service. So they provide the assets. We take the trading fees and they can keep the market making profit if there is any. Um, and then there, there's no uh, there's no token incentives in there. So that works. Um, if they want us to provide the liquidity, like the standard model, then you know, we would need incentives for that. Um, or at least like a grant to develop a custom Oracle or something. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think on-chain usage increasing is, you know, highly correlated with a bull market. <laughs> like a bull market equals increased on-chain usage, right? So, yeah, I think they are closely related. One implies the other to a certain degree. Uh, anything you would like the Lefinity flared Lefinity or Flare DAO community to work on over the next month? Uh, anything to work on? The, uh, the thing that Introvert Monkey made, the, uh, the website where you can estimate your the elefinity rewards for the next cycle that was pretty cool um it was his idea he just went ahead and did that um so yeah i mean like if i if like more stuff like that was created um that'd be dope obviously not everyone can code um, and like, it's certainly not the only type of way to contribute. Um, I mean, like WTB, you're always like doing a bunch of stuff. Um, like you, you started the wildfire thing recently. So that's cool. Um, I, I'm not sure if I have any like specific ideas. For what I'd like to see people do. If I did, I probably already mentioned it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Midwit says Jerome Powell asked, or called Durden recently and asked for market making as a service to increase liquidity in the U.S. bond market. 
Yeah, and I told him, but sir, it has no pith oracle. Then he hung up. Sag. Ipromino says, I feel like there's a sequence mismatch between project launching an LP for their token and pith releasing a price feed for it. Yeah. There may be a few months delay from project launching a token. For example, GMT, Bonk, Hades, and listing them on a centralized exchange to Pith releasing a price feed for it and us verifying that there's enough on-chain volume to be worth opening the pool for it. By then, the project owner may no longer have the interest to do market making as a service with us because most early adopters would already be LPs on Orca. And for us to create a liquidity as a service for it, I'm not sure the project owner would provide token emissions for us. Yeah, so like one unfortunate thing about the way Orca shows their APRs is that like, uh, <laughs> it's kind of like good and bad. It like, it results in plenty of LPs because they have no clue what they're in for. <laughs> Um, so the good part is like, for example, for Sol USDC, like it's kind of nice because that means there's more liquidity to ARP. But for these newer projects, it's like, uh, like, uh, <clears throat> there, there may be a bunch of token pairs where the project may, may be satisfied with the existing liquidity, even though that liquidity is only there because they're they're basically being duped into it from the high displayed APRs. Um, so in reality, we may have an opportunity there, but that doesn't exist because there's already plenty of liquidity thanks to this um, not quite representative APRs that are being displayed. Um, on the other hand, like, so for example, with like the bonk, like, was there ever a point, suppose like it launched on a dex, on a sex, and had a pith oracle all from the start, then would we have had an opportunity? I mean, even then, not really, right? Because to market make, we would have to hold bunk. And like, that's a hard sell, I think. Um, like, could we make a bunch of uh, fees? For sure. And uh, we would reduce impermanent loss, supposedly, because uh, it's traded on a sex and there's a pith oracle. But we would have bonk exposure, which is like, you know, god damn. <laughs> that's like, that's some risky shit, you know? Like, do we really want to do that? <laughs> so... Like, to <laughs> to really be able to, like, market make for these shit coins from the start, we need dex, sex, pith, and lending. And I mean, yeah, I mean, that, that's not going to happen, right? <laughs> uh, and, like, even lending, like, that's scary. You want to borrow bonk against your USDC collateral? Like, you have to over-collateralize, like... Like you never have, <laughs> you know, cause like bonk can just like shoot up in value. 
So you have to be like really scared about like liquidations. Um, yeah, it's quite tricky. So, I mean, so the, and like another way to think about this is like, look at all the LPs for Bonk. Did any of them make money? Yeah, probably some. Like if they, uh, if they got in and exited at opportune times, or if they LP'd and withdrew at opportune times when there was low volatility, LP when you, there's low volatility and then withdraw when there's high volatility, if you can do that. Um, you know, yeah, so like there's probably like some people who successfully did that, but mostly not, right? Like most people lost money LPing for Bonk. Um, so <laughs> like when you think about it like that, it's like, was there an opportunity for us or like would there in like these hypothetical ideal conditions? Even then it'd be like quite difficult. So like this has been like a repeating theme, right? Every time there's like some new hot token with like very high trading volume on Jupiter, Everyone here is like, when pith, when pool for X. And uh, <laughs> I mean, it's fine because it's like kind of funny. But yeah, I hope people understand like there's good reasons why it's like not really feasible to like make money from those markets, mainly because like they're in omega price discovery which again like it's not impossible if you have like all four dex sex pith lending not impossible but still scary <laughs> do you want the price exposure or do you want the liquidation risk Also, it was tricky with Bonk because the sex trading vol... Well, I, I actually don't know. I didn't check. But I'd assume the DEX trading volume was much higher than the sex trading volume. And that's not going to work for us. Um, yeah, we, we would need the price discovery to be happening on the centralized exchange rather than DEXs. Anyways, blah, 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 blah. I've been going on forever about this. WTV says, Durden with the jokes as always. I don't even remember what I said. Much love to you and the team. Thanks for the AMA. Thank you, sir. Thanks for thanks for appearing. <laughs> thanks for the questions. Thank you for all you do. Promino says, I feel like DNMM, aka does not make money and liquidity as a service are in opposite of each other in terms of price risks. Market making as a service is more like the DNM. Uh, let's see. The price risks. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I think I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got you. Uh, no pith oracle for US bonds. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, waiting for that phone call. Midwit says Lefinity needs a non-liquidation account on its own borrow lend market, then we can market make bond bonk. 
non-liquidation account. What does that even mean? People are going to lend us, lend us bonk. We can't get liquidated. So what? Uh, we deposit $100, borrow $50 of bonk. Bonk moons to $200, but we're not liquidated. So we can, with, we can, yeah, we can, yeah, that's cheating. Goddamn. I mean, who's gonna, who's gonna allow that? <laughs> uh, like Alameda, <laughs> FTX will allow it. WTV speaking, by the way. All right. All right. I think, uh, oh, wait. The prominent says, so if we're pursuing DNMM in the future, liquidity as a service is more or less deprecated already. Um, I think that depends. I mean, yeah, I don't think it works like that. So, for example, our previous... Liquidity, liquidity as a service deals were with Marinade and Lido, right? And uh, they required the creation of um, custom oracles. And then also they required like a bunch of liquidity. Like, uh, I, I think at the time it was like, it was like a million, right? For both of them, like a million worth of liquidity which they didn't want to provide. I mean, you know, fair enough. It's like, it's a lot of money, I guess. So, uh, so yeah. So like in a, in a scenario like that, liquidity as a service still makes sense. Um, regardless of whether we have the DNMM. As for market making as a service, we could probably collab with Fract post their IDO. Uh, yeah. Do you mean, wait, are they going to be like listed on centralized exchanges and stuff? Or do you just mean like a constant product pool? LP Finance recently asked us to open another constant product pool. After they opened, we opened two for them. And uh, then they like withdrew liquidity soon after because FTX something something. But we were like, it actually takes uh, effort for us to open new constant product market maker pools. Unlike uh, like Orca and Radium where it's like they've made it fully automated or you can like do it yourself. It's permissionless. Um. So yeah, if we can't expect a lot of volume from a constant product pool, uh, yeah, it's like probably just not worth it. It's like not pretty on our UI either, right? When you have like pools with very little liquidity and volume and yeah. Uh... you're gonna answer my question your pronoun the uh whether you meant a constant product pool or a um 
a uh like or like the uh the oracle route where they are listed on a centralized exchange and they have a pith oracle yada yada bye midwit <clears throat> thanks for coming maybe they're gone already now they're gone already uh Pramino says i believe fractal list their token on a centralized exchange i could be wrong though yeah i mean uh i guess yeah i mean we'll have to see what the volume on the centralized exchange is whether it uh surpasses the dex volume and such uh the riptide says i think hades are in tight with camino Hades is now live on Camino. Yeah, I mean, like, Camino opening pools for everything, I think. I mean, when you when you can when you only have to show your trading fees, which are always positive, never negative. You know, just keep opening pools. Doesn't even matter if they're profitable. <laughs> just jack up that concentration. Increase those fees. Increase that APR, baby. Pump it, baby. <laughs> Permanent loss? What's that? <laughs> Not real. People are typing. Typing, typing, typing. Yep, like what you were saying earlier about bonk pools. Definitely a lot of people unfamiliar with the basics of impermanent loss jumped straight in on the promise of high yields. Yeah. And then they later publish <laughs> the article on <laughs> how the 999, no, greater than 999% APY is possible. I think I uh I think I ratioed them on my quote tweet though. <laughs> that was funny. Promino says, I believe Fract is in a unique position. If Solana is known as an NFT chain, Fract is a good entry for people who want to put liquidity into Solana for the first time. <clears throat> as of now, Fract is listed in DeFi Llama with TVL higher than us. On the other hand, Sharky isn't. So I believe if there's any people who want to get the passive yield on the growing NFT market in Solana, Fract can be a good way to enter. 
I see. I guess so by passive yield, you mean like the lending soul. I wonder like how much uh, liquidations they've have they've had to deal with. And have they have they never have none of their pools become under collateralized? Like uh, I don't understand uh I don't fully understand like how they're Oracle and liquidation process works. But oh well. <laughs> Yeah, Frax cool. They've definitely been good to work with. Although sometimes their uh their uh we've done like AMAs or spaces with them. The uh the planning for those things has sometimes been subpar. <laughs> cancellations upon cancellations. <laughs> uh, let's see. They do auctions for their liquidated NFTs. They're trying to keep their pool as liquid as possible. Yeah. Like the auctions, does that work? I think uh really should integrate these NFT AMMs. Cause like then you can really liquidate. Uh yeah, you can get instant liquidity. So like you should be able to offer like much higher loan to value. Um, at least like up to the currently available liquidity. I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's uh, that can be manipulated. <laughs> uh, WTB says helps that they have Daddy HGE pumping the liquidity whenever they need. <laughs> I don't really understand HG. He just like appeared out of nowhere as far as i know did he come from eth promino says the auction is a benefit to their holders oh that's right yeah it's kind of weird it's like a cheap it's like a cheap way for the for the holders to get those liquidated nfts yeah 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 they just like sell it so cheap though <laughs> it's kind of my vague memory. 
like, huh, surely there's a better way. Kind of what it feels like. Uh, WTV says his screen name on his ETH account was 9x9x9. Okay. Yeah. Long time whale. Makes sense. All right. I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna call it. I. Uh, and I feel like this AMA is like dying down. Also, I'm tired. <laughs> uh, but uh, Promino says this is probably the first pool for the new people to get a passive exposure to Solana NFT market. I mean, if you're going to be exposed to Sol, this pool consistently gives higher yield than staking Sol. Yeah, for sure. I guess it's just like the uh, the yield is relatively high, and it's uh, the risk is like hard to understand i guess that's the thing but yeah good yield for sure uh wtb says who knows what that means but definitely has deep pockets Promino, thanks for the ama, AMA and good night darren thank you sir good questions uh the riptide risk you mean my jpegs won't hold value no, I mean, uh, if you're the one lending soul, then the risk is uh, the position becomes under collateralized and the auction, no one buys in the auction. And so they can't liquidate the JPEG. Then what happens? Something like that. Um, yeah. Anyways. Uh, that was a good one. Thanks for thanks for uh, yeah thanks for coming out for the AMA. Everyone, once again, happy New Year. Let's have another great year. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess I have nothing. Nothing more to say. H C N Y. What does that stand for? Happy Chinese New Year. Ah, that's right. That's right. My friend had a Chinese New Year's party, which I should have gone to, but I failed to. I was intimidated. He said there would be a lot of, or everyone would be speaking Chinese, which I can't. So I was intimidated. Anyways. All right. <laughs> uh, another one for the books. See you guys in the next one. Peace out.